We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, we got the news that three Lakers have entered health and safety protocols, Taylor Horton Tucker, Dwight Howard, and Malik Monk. Mike, you're traveling with the team in anxious times, I would imagine. What do we know and how are things looking on the ground? And how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. I, I think that it's... <laughs> This, as we're seeing, is not just a Laker issue now, right? Uh, it's it's really been the last couple of weeks that things have picked up, not just around the NBA, uh, but around the NFL. And to me, the larger message here is more of a societal one that the reason why these tests are, or these kind of positive cases are coming up is because they're testing more in the NBA, which tells you that the general public, which is not testing very much right now, the cases are probably also uh, going up exponentially. And this was expected some after the uh, the Thanksgiving, sort of everybody getting together and some more people being indoors as the weather gets colder, all of that. So that's what's going on right now in the country. And the NBA is seeing, and certainly the Lakers now are going to feel this. And at the time that we're recording this, uh, we're kind of waiting to hear if there are any more results, right, from the plane, as as you saw in Charlotte or as you saw in Chicago. Um, sometimes once these things particularly with Omicron, um, once this gets going, then it, it can sometimes keep going. And so yeah. what we're hoping is, is that the the cases that you mentioned, Pete, uh, with Monk and with Dwight and with THT um, are isolated, but we won't know that yet. And so I think for that's the the challenge then for, for kind of like this specific podcast is, all right, well, what are the Lakers going to do now without these guys? Um, do we know for sure if it's not the situation that LeBron had? where LeBron had the false positive and then came back. Um, is it uh, like all of that stuff? We don't have all of the information just yet. Um, and it makes it tricky. Uh, certainly, I think for the team, for the coaching staff, I'm thinking of Frank Vogel right now, trying to make the lineup against uh, Dallas. He does know that Anthony Davis 
is probable. So that's yes. that's one good thing. Uh, but I, I suppose I, we should all we should all say the first thing you hope for is that uh, the players who did test positive um, all end up uh, being okay and and hopefully experience as minimal symptoms as possible. And I'm, I'm sure we all obviously agree on that. Yeah, for me, my first thoughts are are with those three players for sure. Their families or loved ones, whoever's close to them, right? Maybe they share living arrangements with with other people. These are all situations where it's hitting home now. Not necessarily for like the Lakers, but I think we've all we've all known someone, I'm sure, who is tested yeah. positive. And the idea of that sort of getting closer to you, and then I'm looking at Mike and I'm empathetic for Mike, like these are these are situations now where we're we're trying to navigate this both as like reflecting on how this impacts the team, Pete, but also like my first thought does go to them as Mike people. Was on the plane, man. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mike was on the plane, yeah. It, so last night we were texting and we were it was like a lot of like, oh man, like Yeah. In the case of bad scenarios, which is what this is, this is a bad scenario. You're you're always looking for the best case out of those bad scenarios. I'm hoping for containment. I'm I'm hoping that all of the players who have tested positive, that they're going to be fine and that it's like a short bout and as asymptomatic as they can be, right? right? Like the lightest version yeah. of this imaginable. And, and so my first thought is always with, well, with that. And, and so Pete, I don't know if you wanted to add anything on to that, share, share your thoughts about that, or if you wanted to talk a little bit of basketball, because basketball for now, at least, is not stopping. It paused for the Bulls, right? Because mm -hmm. the Bulls had three quarters of their team in health yeah. and safety protocols. And at that point, it became untenable to play basketball games. The Lakers are not there yet, mm -hmm. right? And I think there's a hope that they do not get to that point for sure. But if the games aren't going to stop, then there is a certain amount of, all right, well, what is this supposed to look like? Yeah, the last... Three seasons, the 1920 season, the last season, and then this this year have all been uh, just really unprecedented and kind of navigating a different landscape just from a basketball standpoint. And there are a bunch of teams around the league that are, you know, like like you said, you've got the 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 Bulls, the Brooklyn Nets have had a, a big outbreak. This is there's this is happening all over sports and all yeah. over the country right now, as as Mike was saying, and so. As we record this, let's hope it stays to the just those three guys and they stay asymptomatic and, at, you know, at, and all of that. But it could also very well be that in an hour or two before this pod's even released, we may get more information. We don't know. Right. And so we we have to talk about the team in, in this very uncertain uh, dynamic. But as of now, we have THT, Monk and Dwight out. Three guys who have been in the rotation with AD hopefully coming back tonight against Dallas. Um, we'll see how Frank Vogel navigates that. But that puts us, Mike, in a position, again, where three guys are out. This has been the norm of this season is kind of this, uh, uh, what do you call it, this revolving door of available players. Uh, and now we're in this different spot. I want to start with THT. He's had a bit of a snake bit season, right? Has a, a thumb injury that keeps him out for several weeks. And then this pops up um, and he had just started to hit his stride at the very least versus Orlando. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Mike, on kind of THT being out for the next few games and, and what that means for the bigger picture? So THT had the great start, uh, as you mentioned, and then things changed up a little bit with just LeBron coming back and what was another player with that particular set of usage 
coming in alongside Russ and still alongside AD. And then how does THT turn himself basically into a, a role player, but like a role player without many touches at all. And so when he got the ball, uh, what was he actually going to do that was similar to the style that he played? Whereas, you know, last year it was coming off the bench and um, it wasn't with more often than not, it wasn't with like either a, a usage guy like Russell Westbrook, or it was with LeBron in those type of minutes being aggressive. And, you know, this is something that I asked him about after the last game when he did find um, he, like he did, he started to hit some threes, right? He was three for six from three last game. The prior game, he was two for three from three. And those are some of the looks that he's going to be getting uh, as a, and that's going to start to make up a greater percentage of his shots than would uh, if he were kind of in his own, probably optimal usage based on what his skill set is. And so he's basically learning how to be a role player. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, Mike, he's been a, a on-ball guard, one of the one or two most ball dominant guys on the court his entire life. And now he's going from being an on ball guard to basically a three and D wing with the yeah. starters, which would be difficult at any point. But if you're newly 21 years old and just kind of figuring things out in general, overall, that adds another layer of, so that's why I've been very much preaching patience with him. Cause he's going through just a, a total style change in terms of what he's asked to do. And we saw this change develop slowly for Kyle Kuzma in a different way, but he's even love that comparison. Yeah. But Kuzma is even, it's, it's even more difficult for me for Taylor Horton Tucker, who is a primary ball handler. Like Kuz could certainly go get you mm-hmm. buckets, but he's still, he always had a point guard that right. was playing with him or somebody else that had the ball. And then he'd go attack once he caught it. THG is used to like having the ball and then going initiating his own action. So I, that was where to me still, I still think it's a, a difficult fit. Uh, but big picture, like the skill set that he has, I also kind of like that they're trying to see if they can get there uh, because of the of what he has to offer defensively. And by the way, he had six steals last game, um, as which is at least one part of what he can do on the defensive end. So that's that's one thing. But I'm still looking at this for him and thinking of how young he is and what good shape he is and, and kind of hoping, like Darius had alluded to, that it that he has the most minor symptoms. Um, and that's that's to say if if everything gets confirmed, right? And um, and he does end up missing the amount of time that most players do, then if that's the case, then I'm not that worried about this particular stint, right? For him, and, and I think that the the more interesting part for me is does Frank Vogel decide to go with say a Bazemore, like who hasn't played at all? Uh, does he shift the lineup and bring in like an Ellington? Does he just decide to go big? Again, in that, in this case, it won't be DeAndre. <laughs> I'm sorry, it wouldn't be Dwight. It would be DeAndre. So the holes that are starting to be plugged now go, or, or like Austin Reeves, which I think would probably be the choice for the three of us um, if we had to pick a guy in there. So uh, Darius, if you want to specifically go on THG, go ahead. I, I'm just already kind of spinning off. All right, well, he's not going to be in there. So what what happens next? Let's go to break real quick, Mike, because I do have some THT thoughts. And then I think in tandem with Monk being out, this is where Frank Vogel's decision making on things is going to get way more interesting. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the Internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. 
I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year. And there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So just to echo some of the thoughts you guys were saying about THT there, the difficult thing for him, I think, as a player has been not only adjusting to some of that 3 and D stuff that he's being asked asked to do but then in game change hats again and be like hey guess what now you get more creation touches right lebron's out in the starting group he's playing with russ and lebron and so his usage is going to go down but once one of those guys goes off the floor so not only russ and lebron but in the starting lineup when anthony davis is healthy anthony davis right and so your usage is going to plummet if you're the fourth and the fifth player next to those three guys. But when one of them goes off the court, your usage is going to uptick more. Then if two of them are off the court, you're going to be looked at as, hey, man, you're next up. You got to do stuff now, right? You can't just be, oh, I'm going to be the three and D guy. You better change your mentality, change your approach. And the Orlando game, I thought, was the most comfortable he's looked at doing that right? He was racing out more in transition. And I think Braun helped him some by Braun adjusting his game a little bit like, no, buddy, here, dribble handoff. Let's go into a pick and roll. Like, no, I'm going to drive some and I'm going to drive and kick to you so that you can then create. And there was a little bit more catering to THT some. And I thought he was finding his stride a little bit. And so the Lakers are going to miss him. A lot. Yeah, he's he's been a part of a lot of really good lineups and and just a useful player, especially on the defensive end, right? That that can also fill in to those spots, right? Go from that three and D to what his nature is as as that on ball guy. Well, he's a key cog on both sides of the ball. Not only is he an avatar for something that the Lakers need, right? Like, oh, a big sort of physical wing who can defend and can score and can create some shots, but he has the skill set also to like fill that and has shown potential in doing it right and now to remove that guy entirely you're like okay well what do we do okay well in theory you would say all right next man up and that next man might include Malik Monk right now Monk's a totally different type of player than THT but he is a shooter he is a shot creator. Can he can be a guy who can run a secondary pick and roll. He mm-hmm. can thrive in transition, right? He can push as a secondary break option. These are all things that are in the Venn diagram of Monk and THT. These are things that live right in the middle, 
right? He's not going to be the on-ball defender or the, the size guy, but he can help out on the glass a little bit. So there's stuff there, right? And now Monk is out too. And so you're down two wings. And this is where I am interested to see what Vogel decides. And when you add Dwight to this, you can't start big now. Like, unless you plan to play LeBron roughly half of his minutes at center, right? You can't really go big. You need, not only are you going to need LeBron to play center, Pete, right? For sure now. But you can't start DeAndre Jordan next to Anthony Davis. Like, you need those center minutes. You need 48 of those minutes. Yeah, even beyond of the even beyond the fit, there's no big coming off the bench at that point. That's right. And so you need, like, let's say... In the most, like, if you stretch out his minutes as much as you possibly can, DeAndre Jordan is what, going to play 15 minutes? Yeah. Like, 16 minutes? That's probably too many still, right? Like, you probably want it to be 12, right? At 8 to 12, you want two shifts of, like, four to six minutes each and be like, go out there, play hard, give me everything you got. Well, guess what? If he plays 12 minutes, there's... 36 minutes left at the center position that you have to fill, right? And so all of those aren't going to go to Anthony Davis. They're just not. And so that means that you have to start, you have to configure your lineup a certain way. And so if you can't start two bigs, that means you need to keep playing wings. And so you're you're almost going to have to play Bazemore, right? But what but what we would define as wings is especially small on this. Like yeah. I kind of chuckled that if you've been watching those backstage Lakers that we've referenced a couple times, Vogel has referred to our wings, right? And there's there is some line of thought like what wings? You just referred to Malik Monk as a wing. Yes. I'm like oh, okay, yeah, we we can go with that sure. if we want, right? Sure. He's a guard, bro. Well, yeah, that's no, right. Well, he's a wing. Like okay, like if there's a seven forty seven. That's a wing. And then you've got this little it's, like sort of like small plane. Guard. It's a biplane. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> and the, well, that's got that's got wings, too. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, so, yeah, so you just scrunch a, a little bit. Yeah. Right. Technically, <laughs> technically, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Pete, I was just going to cite backstage Lakers also, but for a different reason and involving Anthony Davis. And mm. and so I'll, I'll introduce this and then you can like like we usually do. Right. Feel free to combine or or to separate these points. But. Phil Handy in one of the recent episodes, and shout out to Michael Coger, backstage Lakers that continues to be excellent mm-hmm. um, producer of the show. Like basically saying AD is tired. It's more tiring to play center. This is one of the reasons why he's at least in part um, preferred to play the four. It's not just the banging, but it's the switching. It's the covering. It's the being targeted and pick and rolls. It's it's all of this stuff. It's offensive. It's defensive glass, like uh, making up for other people's mistakes all of this stuff that seemed to have worn him down some. And, and so there's it, how am I going to do this without getting back into our, our whole discussion about like, if we, if we're just the whole, like not playing bigs thing or having AD play, I just think that this, this is why part of the reason why they were careful not to extend it too much in previous years. And maybe we've already seen a sign of that so far, but now there isn't, especially like for these next 10, and this is again, assuming and hoping that, uh, or assuming that Dwight is not going to be in there. We're hoping that he is, but if he's not, then that is, that's just by nature going to mean that, that AD is going to be taxed more in this short term. But I don't know, Pete, I, I, talk me, uh, talk to me about this whole setup now and how they getting AD back and, you know, Dwight being out potentially and DeAndre, gonna, he's going to be playing minutes 
one way or the other, right? Off the bench yeah. starting. I don't know if it matters that much. He's probably yeah. he's going to be playing 15 to 20. So what do you see there? So what strikes me about Vogel's decision that he has in front of him right now is what polar opposites and what a binary it is. It's I can either go big and Darius laid out why that is complicated when you don't have a big coming off of the bench, but I can, my option to replace Taylor Horton Tucker in the starting lineup is either Deandre Jordan right now. Who's the next most physical player I could put there. I actually think Mello is somebody that, but then that also causes some no forward off the bench type of issue, right? And so really the the player that becomes, if it's not Mello, then the next most physical guy that you have, which is a very important attribute to Frank Vogel, specifically on the defensive and not only to be a defender, but to be a physical one. The next most physical guy is Kent Bazemore right now. And he's not a physical guy at all. He's a skinny guard, a 2-3 type of guy, right, that is more well-suited to defend a point guard occasionally than to defend down than he is to defend up. And so that speaks to the lack of forwards on the team. One of the thing things that I wonder is – when is Trevor coming back, yes. right? He had those practices. He had uh, that practice with South Bay, him and Bays and Rondo were all down there. Got some run in, saw him the other day before the Orlando game, getting some two-on-two action in with a couple of the coaches. So he could be a potential answer to this, Mike, it, it, that emerges. Now, that's a big ask, right, to come in in the middle of the season and all of a sudden you're starting. I think that the way to manage that is – if Trevor was supposed to be a starter, and by a lot of indications, I, I think that that was the case, that you do start him, right? You get him used to his role early, but maybe you play him in shorter shifts. Maybe that there's that minutes restriction to start out, and it's a 12 to 15 minute night, but he does start and just plays the first six minutes of the first and third as he's ramping up. But as of now, I, I'd love to see Bays get back in that rotation, and I'd love to see Reeves get the start. And when we talk about physicality, I... I want to do an episode, at probably the next one, depending on how this Dallas game goes, one of the next two episodes on the exact dynamic that you were talking about, Mike, with AD at the five. And AD is tired and the reasons why he's tired and what we can do about that. Because I think that playing AD at the five significant minutes is something that this team has to do. But we also need AD to be able to make it through the season and need to and, – and even in general, like I think people forget – that AD was essentially a guard that had a massive growth spurt that put guard skills into a 6'10 body, but that doesn't change the nature of the player, right? It allows him to do certain things, but that playing toward AD's, like what AD wants to do, what AD is great at. Like, I don't, I feel like we haven't been sympathetic enough toward the reasons why AD might not want to do that. I can't wait to hear your, your extended thoughts on that because I think that there's a way to play AD at the five and have him be who he is without overtaxing him. Now that's a whole longer discussion that, that um, is outside of the topic of this pod, but let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get more into the lineup choices that we have available. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So D, where are you at with the starters? I'm I'm with Austin as a, a starter. Austin should be starting. Um, we texted about this the right when the news broke. Well, not right when the news broke. I think right when the news broke, we were <laughs> all texting concerns about just people. But as we transitioned to discussing what changes are on board, I had said that the closest approximation to THT on the roster is Austin Reeves. And that sounds weird, but forget one being, you know, a dude from Chicago and then one being this kid from Arkansas and their different paths to the league and everything else. Their skill sets are, there's some overlap there in terms of now the deployment of those is totally different, but just check off the boxes for, for each side. Frank trusts THT to defend in a certain way, and he trusts Austin to defend. Austin, he can shoot the ball some, he can handle the ball some, and he can do a little bit of shot creation, not a lot and not nearly as much as THT, but a little bit of shot creation. He can play and transition a little bit, and these are all attributes that are valuable not only to Frank Vogel, but to the starting lineup. I actually think that in a way, Austin Austin is a connective player, right? And I think that what the three stars need is a connecting player regardless. I understand starting THT because his ceiling is so much higher, right? Um, but I'd long-term, Austin is the type of player I'd want to start regardless, right? And so starting mm-hmm. him now makes perfect sense to me. And he, you need his defense. You need his, I'm going to do little things. You need his in-between-the-gaps sort of play. And isn't that wild, man? This guy's an undrafted free agent. And I don't we've care got these if you're aspirations. Un- yeah, yeah, I don't care. But no, that's but it's right. It's true. That's the thing, though, is Mirren Fader, the great Mirren Fader, uh-huh. like we got to put the goat on <laughs> her name. She wrote a great profile of Austin that's up at the ringer right now and has a bunch of great anecdotes and, and and stuff about Austin, but it's just like, it don't, it don't matter if you were undrafted or if you were the top pick in the draft, right? Like I look at a player like Cade Cunningham and a lot of the stuff that Cade Cunningham is touted for his feel for the game, his intellect as, as a player, his 
ability to to sort of like make other guys around him better, right? Those are all attributes that Austin Reeves has, right? And so Austin Reeves was undrafted. Cade Cunningham was the number one pick in the draft. It's obvious why that difference exists, but there are qualities that you find in a player like Reeves that are super valuable to every basketball team. We said it a lot about Caruso, Mike, like winning player, but there's lots of different ways to be a winning player. And Austin has some of those qualities in him too. He is not the bulldog defensive guy fighting through screens, but he sure as hell can play in the short role with with LeBron James. He sure can lurk in the right spots and cut timely and be that connective tissue in a both a defensive set and an offensive set in order to facilitate the right play being being made. And that's so valuable. And I think he's really the only option that I would start. If Trevor Reza is not available somehow tonight, then yeah, I'd start Austin Reeves. Well, I look at it in, in a, a bigger picture way within like within the this next game or these next couple of games. And everybody's going to play basically unless like Rondo would be the one guy where, okay, we'll see if Vogel wants to pull him in and, and essentially make it back to a 10 man rotation. But if not, you know, you're taking two starters out from the prior starting lineup. So uh, with Dwight and THT and the guys that were playing off the bench were Austin, Mello, Monk, DeAndre, and then Wayne played seven minutes last game. So that's, that's your 10 man right there. The only guys that didn't play that can play. Well, one is Anthony Davis. So he's coming back in. And he takes about two rotation players worth of minutes himself. Yes, because yeah. exactly, because that's 35 minutes. So and and then you have, OK, well, do you want to use Bazemore or Rondo um, up until the point where. So it's like it's as much as it's significant. It's is also there are also pieces that can cover um, that can directly cover as opposed to when AD's out or when LeBron's out. You know, it's problems. It's guys that have to do more than the, what they can do. Yeah, I, I view this little series, this series of of missing players, as a lot less damaging as the beginning uh, than the beginning of the season, when especially when LeBron was still getting back up and running. Because we do, I do feel like we have somebody that can cover for every guy that's out. Now, obviously, there's there are places where it's more ideal, less ideal teams where it'll be a better or worse matchup, but ultimately, like saying oh Malik Monk's out well we have Kent Bazemore on the bench Mike you know that that's helpful to have but let's still focus on Reeves for a second because even yeah. with basically everybody but AD available um last game which you know again acknowledging that's a major thing he played 25 minutes and the previous game he had his career high and Frank Vogel said after um, after the prior game that he was just waiting to see like that once Reeves got his sea legs back like once he had gotten back into that NBA game mode uh, from the hamstring, once he could clearly trust it. And so his playing time was going to go up. We saw a similar thing to uh, happen to Caruso. And it, it, like it kind of just he he proved something. He put it on wax. It was there and it was on film. LeBron saw it. You know, everybody sees everybody sees that now the numbers bear it out. The, the net rating bears it out. Like all of this stuff, whether he's scoring or not. And a couple of the subtle differences between Caruso, Caruso obviously is just a better athlete. Caruso is an elite athlete, even for an NBA player. Reeves is a, is more of a, he's got more of a scoring 
like a, a potential to score, right? He had 70 points in a high school game. Um, he dropped either 29 or 27 in his last NCAA game against Gonzaga. Like he's got a knack to score. He's a better shooter. Um, he can he can make a play, put the ball on the floor a little bit. But in Caruso's clearly a better defensive player. But Reeves, while having that skill um, to go score, he's got this just rugged doggedness that is similar to Caruso without maybe that full athleticism on the defensive end. And that's to me, maybe why Pete you're saying, well, to me, like it is the, it is the option. Like that is the thing to do um, with in subbing him in, but I don't care if he starts or not. Ultimately, I I just like that his minutes are going up and he's going to be on the floor, especially in some of those LeBron at the five lineups where you can take advantage of, of like all of the things that LeBron can see breaking down a defense with nobody in the paint. One of the things, one of the reasons why I hope that he starts D is that we haven't seen it yet. I think he started one game earlier in the year when we were really decimated by injuries. But your point about a connective piece extends beyond this little stretch of time. Yes. And that and what that means, we talked a lot last year and the year before about Caruso as an advantage extender. Yes. And that's something that Reeves does very well. Now, it's funny, I I actually don't like his shot selection, but in the opposite direction of most players. Like I probably say two, three times a game to my TV or in person, like shoot the ball, shoot it, shoot the ball, Austin, like you're open, shoot it. And he's a little too looking to make the extra pass and, and all of that. So, but it's easier to correct in that direction than, than in the other. Right. And so, but that idea of advantage extension D with guys like LeBron, AD, and Russ, they are going to create the advantage. You, that's what you need first before your advantage extenders come into play. And that's something Austin can do very well. Well, also, too, those guys are advantage creators, but they're also advantage finishers. Yeah, they're finishers. Right? That's, those are the if, three pieces, right? The right. creation of the advantage, the extension of the advantage, and then the finishing of the play. Right. And so what makes the best player, the best player is, yeah. Check, check, check. Those three boxes? Yeah, check, check, check. You can do all of and them. That's, that's LeBron. Why, and yeah. that's LeBron. It's it's AD. It's also Russ, right? It's not the way that we want it to be all of the time, but it's him too. But those guys, it's not, the game isn't three on three, right? And so you need other guys who take, who check one or more of those boxes. Reeves can be a finisher and he can be an extender. Bradley can be a finisher. But he's not going to be an extender or a creator. And even as a finisher, Bradley's like, eh. yes, but, but yeah, of, the, of those things, yes, but he's of those that. things, that's what he's geared most towards. I'm big on finding the guys who can help the stars play to their strengths, too. Yeah, we often talk about how stars make role players lives easier. But you know what? The best role players make stars lives easier. And that's why those are the Robert Ories. Those are the Rick Foxes. Those are the Derek Fishers, you know, because they do all of these little things that your stars can do those little things too, right? They're the stars. They can do anything they want on the basketball court. They are the gods of the game. They can do anything, right? If you have Kevin Durant, hey, Kevin Durant, I don't want you to score at all. I just want you to play lockdown defense, rebound, and move the ball on offense. Guess what? He'd look like the best freaking role player ever. You could ask any of these guys to focus on any one one thing and they'll be great at it because they're the best players. So in sort of wrapping up our portion on Reeves here, I just think he is the best option. I'd love to know, though, how do like Pete at this point, does Bays have to play in your mind or is it like, hey, Wayne, now you get your 20 minutes 
a game and we're going to stretch other places out a little bit more. This goes beyond just this situation, but like I have a hard time believing that Bayes could be a contributing player to a Golden State Warriors team last year and can't find his place eventually on a team like ours with so many vet minimum players, of which he is one, no doubt, right? But there's there's a good player in there, and I've loved D, I've loved watching him on the melts on during games, even in person. He's cheering his ass off on the bench. He's engaged, engaged mentally in every play. In terms of how do you want a pro to handle a demotion? I from what I've seen, and I'm on the outside, Mike, right? I don't see the behind the scenes stuff to the degree that you do, but from No, no, no. That that's a hundred percent that's 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 just who he is. That's how he's always that's him. That's how and, he always is. And, and so like he's made a fan in me based on that. Now for for basketball, like on, on his basketball merits, his demotion was absolutely warranted. He couldn't hit a shot, and more importantly, to, to Vogel and his like the two players that Vogel has benched and taken out of the rotation are Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Jordan, and both for the same reason. And that's on the defensive end. Like you are not running my scheme correctly. We've gone over this how many times type of thing. Okay, I gotta go somewhere else. And now not you go from starting to completely out of the rotation. My view on Bayes, though, is that it's a long season. And Mike, you always speak to this when we do our preseason pods of like it's a long season everyone's going to get a chance to play there are going to be injuries there are all sorts of things that happen over the course of 82 where the wheel comes is going to come back around for a guy like Kent Bazemore maybe this is that time to do that and I I would like to see him in the rotation not starting D but I'd like to see him in the rotation and and have that opportunity to now that he's got his feet under him a little more a little more settled with the team in LA see if he can find a place to do that and the place I see it Mike I think he's be really helpful in those LeBron at the five lineups. Those groups need at the other positions as much as possible, some size and length and just big people attributes and smaller players. And he's one of those guys with his wingspan that can drop down and help on the boards and knock a ball away. And he's always just in the mix. He's always doing something and that level of activity. So that's where I'm at is I'd like to see him get some run, particularly in those LeBron five groups. I feel that. I like that. And he would then be the 10th player in Vogel's rotation. And Vogel usually mm-hmm. likes to use 10. If there are a couple games where he'll tighten it up and just go to nine. And, and what was it? Was it the uh, was the Boston game? It was a, it was a couple, yeah. maybe, maybe a game a, couple, a little bit before that, Sacramento. But I do think that that fits. And uh, in fact, I got to, Pete, I'm, it's my goal to try to work in a Bazemore question at some point to one of these awesome. pregames. The issue is now... Yeah. yeah, well, the I, and as would I. Uh, and the issue now is more like I got to ask two questions just for for just for sort of who's available, like right. who's not. And then yeah. I get one usually about what the game is going to look like. But I like that thought process. And I think that this is the reason sometimes when you when you look at a roster before the season and you see 15 guys and you're like, well, this team, I don't know if there's that much of a differentiation between the seventh guy and the 14th guy. Yeah. And, and so it's a problem when you're, when you don't have availability from your best players then, but the times that that can be a good thing is if you do have availability, like tonight where you're going to have the three, you're going to have Ross, you're going to have LeBron, you're going to have AD. And then if three other guys are out, then you plug, you plug and play. And it, it speaks to your earlier point about kind of the, the, the type of absences that you're going to get. And In this case, it also is the reason why Frank Vogel 
throughout his coaching career and certainly since he's gotten to the Lakers, tries to keep everybody engaged because especially now what we're seeing with with the testing uh, and and again, for the fifth time to qualify, there's some hope in me that there's maybe there's a false positive. We don't know. Like, I'm not officially counting these guys out for 10 days or whatever it ends up being. But if that's the case, like that's going to keep happening, not just to the Lakers, but for other teams and the teams that can that can keep that guy that's hasn't been playing at all engaged and throw him in there, they're going to benefit from that. And, and hopefully we'll see some of that in these next couple of games. I'd like to see Bayes get a shift in the first half. And Mike, it's easier to play nine guys when all three stars are available because like Pete mentioned, the stars take up so many minutes, right? But when the Lakers play nine guys, it's because there's usually a fourth player who can play 30 minutes or more, and then a fifth player who is in between 25 and 30, right? And so that, I can't remember what game it was, but THT had, he played like 32 minutes and like two or though, two or three of those were like garbage time. Like they let him close out the game and just like, hey, you played great today. Now, now go play like it's an all-star game. Some of these guys may not be able to up their usage to 30 minute plus nights, right? And do you want Avery Bradley to extend to 28 or 29 or 30 minutes? Do you even want Austin to be at 32 or 33 minutes, right? Like the last time he did that for a few straight games, his hamstring said, hey, not so much. And and he (laughs) tapped out. I'd love to say, hey, like we're going to target, we're going to target all of those role player guys to be in the 20 to 25 min, min minute range. And, and I mean, Bradley and Austin, right. As potential starters. And then like, maybe you up mellow a little bit. Right. But if Wayne was getting two shifts a game, if Wayne was getting two shifts a game, Wayne is going to have to, someone's going to have to play monks minutes. Right. And so if you say, Wayne, you're now monk. Well, who's going to be Wayne? Right. Sure. Some like that's where I'm saying Bayes. Bayes is the obvious guy there. Yeah. You're filling in and we're going to give you a shift. And guess what? Bayes is going to run around like his like his hair is on fire. Like he is so eager. You know, he's eager to get out there and play. Yeah. Pete, we saw this yeah. with DeAndre Jordan the other day. We we're just like, ooh, look at look at DeAndre. He's looking feisty. Right. Yeah. And that's what happens when you're a pro. When you're a pro and coach says, go sit down. And you sit and you sit and you sit and you sat for three games, four games, five games, six games, and suddenly you're up. It's like, oh, I, I'm up. You're like a dog who's been in the house all day. And then your owner comes home and you're just like, oh, shit, we get to go to the dog park. And all they do is run around in circles for like ever and ever and ever. These dudes are going to be they're ready. And I'd love to give Bayes a shift and just be like, yeah, we need the chaos. And those LeBron at the five minutes, those could use a little bit of chaos. Like, go make something happen. Jump, Let's get out on the run. Jump a passing transition. lane. Yeah. Right. To, just to pull go it, out there yeah. and score. No, no, to pull it back to so I don't know if you guys know this, but Pete was a former uh lead singer in a band. Um, and um I, I listened it. to the music in my car and it's super unique. Super dope, like he's a talented guy. Actually, got paid to to, to make music. He hates this. I love it. I, now, I really if do. Pete had a guy in his band, and that guy just wasn't picking up, like he just wasn't executing what Pete needed. 
let's say he was playing trying to play some bass guitar, which I didn't hear a lot of in, in uh, P2. But let's say he's playing some bass guitar and he's, you know, screwing up the notes here and there, but he's got a great effing attitude. And so Pete's like, look, you're, you can't play in the show yet. Okay. You're, you're not playing in the show. But then he just, he shows up the next day, smile on his face, keep practices a little bit more. He's cheering Pete on. He's cheering on the drummer. Right. And then somebody, the drummer uh, at some point gets sick. Well, no, that wouldn't work in this analogy. So let's, let's roll that no, one back. No, you, you can't you're, edit you're, this, by the way. You're torturing trying to, to uh, t- tell my story, trying to cram it into your analogy here. Yep, exactly. And then <laughs> that's the point. But eventually, and this guy is Kent Bazemore, by the way, but he's still got a great attitude and he shows up. And then later in, this, later in the year, Pete decides, you know what, man, I'm giving this guy another shot. And he comes in and he plays a little bit better. That, that, that's what's going to happen. It it happens sometimes, right? Some someone can't make a show. You gotta gotta get a backup. Uh, yes, more like Kent Basemore from Darius. That's enough for this show. Happy birthday to Jeannie, our wonderful producer. It's her birthday today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to cover the Dallas game. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's in. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen. Brian, 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 Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.